Hello and welcome to HW News Report. Here you can listen to news from political and economical world. Follow this podcast now to stay updated. At HW News, we have been delivering news that matters to you. Our goal is to present you with information that simulates conversation around topics of larger public importance that are often lost in the noise of shrill prime time. My name is Aarti and you're watching HW News. Welcome to South Connect. This is our weekly show where we talk about some important news from across five states of southern India. Let's begin with Karnataka. The elections for Karnataka Assembly were announced by Election Commission of India this week. With this, the model code of conduct has been imposed in the poll-bound state. Elections to the 224-member Karnataka Legislative Assembly will be held in a single phase on May 10th and the results will be announced on May 13th. Chief Election Commissioner Rajiv Kumar said that Karnataka has a total of 5.21 crore voters with 2.62 crore men and 2.59 crore women voters. The state will have a total of 58,282 polling stations. The Gazette notification will be issued on April 13th. The last date for filing nominations will be April 20th. Since 2018, the Chief Minister's post in Karnataka has changed hands three times before finally resting with Basavaraj Bombay. The 2018 elections resulted in 104 seats for the BJP with 36.22% of the votes, 78 seats for Congress with 38.04% of the vote share and 37 seats for the JDS which got 18.36% of the vote share. After no party managed to get a complete majority, the governor invited the BJP to form the government as it was the single largest party. The government fell on the third day with an emotional Chief Minister B.S. Yadurappa submitting his resignation to the then-governor Vajubhai Wala. This brought H.D. Kumar Swami's JDS Congress coalition government into power. But it collapsed after just over a year due to Operation Kamal. Now, meanwhile, in a first for the state, accredited journalist covering Karnataka Assembly elections on May 10th will have the option to vote through postal ballots. The decision comes after accredited journalists were included in the essential services category. Karnataka Union of Working Journalists had requested the Election Commission to allow journalists on duty to exercise their franchise. Meanwhile, controversy has also erupted in the state as State Congress Chief D.K. Shukumar was seen throwing a bundle of 500 rupee notes during Prajadhwani Yatra. He was throwing the notes on artists performing at the rally. Now, the BJP slammed the Congress party, accusing it of trying to bribe the voters. However, this happened just a day before the ECI announcement. So, there might be no action on DK Shukumar. Let's move on to the next news from the state. Bengaluru is known as India's Silicon Valley. But how safe is the metropolitan city for women? A 19-year-old woman was gang-raped by four men in a moving car in Bangalore's Kormangla last week. She was sitting alone in a park on the night of March 25 when four men approached her and began arguing with her before dragging her into their car and then raping her. After she filed a complaint with the Kormangla police station, all four accused have now been arrested. According to police, the woman was meeting a friend in the park in Kormangla when one of the accused saw them and objected to them being out late at night. The three got into a heated argument, following which the accused left. However, later, her friend also left and the woman was sitting alone in the park. 
The man came back with three others and began arguing with her again. They then dragged her into their car and began driving towards NIC road and raped her in their moving car. The woman said that after the incident, the accused left her on the side of the road in the wee hours on March 26th. Based on the woman's complaint, all four accused have now been arrested. They have been identified as Satish, Vijay, Sridhar and Kiran. Let's move on to the next state, that is Kerala. Kerala this week bade a tearful goodbye to one of its most versatile actors, Innocent, who passed away last Sunday, was given full state honours by the Kerala government and led to rest in Thrissur. He was battling cancer. After battling for life at a hospital for nearly two weeks, the 75-year-old passed away on Sunday night, leaving his fans recalling numerous characters he brought to life in over 700 roles that he performed in a glorious career spanning five decades that began in 1972. The whole of Monday and Tuesday morning saw people from all walks of life thronging with innocent lying in state in his traditional Kerala attire, a jubba and mundu, his trademark attire which he never ditched even as an MP in the Lok Sabha from 2014 to 2019. He was laid to rest beside the grave of his father and mother. Let's move on to the next news from the state. Kerala Chief Minister Pinarayi Vijayan and his Tamil Nadu counterpart M.K. Stalin inaugurated the centenary celebrations of Vaikum Satyagraha on Saturday, April 1st in Kerala's Kottayam. CM Pinarayi Vijayan said that the celebrations will be held for around 603 days. In 1924, a non-violent protest commenced in Vaikum seeking temple entry for the Dalits and other so-called lower caste at the Vaikum Mahadeva Temple in Kerala's Kottayam. The Vaikum protest was the beginning of similar temple entry movements throughout the country. This protest was spearheaded by Periyar and the protest lasted for 603 days. It also earned him the moniker of Vaikum Virar. CM Stalin on Thursday also announced that year-long celebrations will be organized to commemorate the centenary of the Vaikum Satyagraha. Making the announcement in the assembly, he also said that Vaikum Award would be presented to eminent personalities or organizations who work for the betterment of downtrodden people beyond the borders of the state. Let's move on to the next state, that is state of Tamil Nadu. This week, sexual harassment allegations rocked prestigious classical arts institute in Chennai, Kalakshetra. Amid the continuous protest by students of the institute seeking action against the accused, an FIR was registered against Hari Padman, one of the four people who have been accused of sexual harassment at Kalakshetra Foundation's Rukmini Devi College of Fine Arts in Chennai. He has been booked by the Tamil Nadu Police under IPC Sections 354A, which is Sexual Harassment, 506 for Criminal Intimidation and Section 4, which is Penalty for Harassment of Women of the Tamil Nadu Prohibition of Harassment of Women Act. This action comes on the second day of continuous protest by the students of Kalakshetra against the sexual harassment accused and against the institution for their inaction. Hari Padman is likely to be called in for questioning soon. Hari Padman has been accused of sexually harassing several students over the years. Kalakshetra is a union government-funded institution and has been declared an institute of national importance. Several students have accused the institution of propagating a toxic culture and many allegations of sexual harassment were leveled against four faculty members, Hari Padman, Sanjeet Lal, Sai Krishnan and Srinath. Chief Minister M.K. Stalin addressed the allegations in assembly on Friday and promised legal action if they were found to be true. Moving on to the next news from the state. 
The famous Rohini Theatre in Chennai has come under severe criticism for discriminating against people of a particular community and not letting them inside the theatre despite them purchasing the tickets. On Thursday, March 30th, videos of a couple of Narikurua women and children being denied entry for Patutala movie in the theatre went viral on social media. The one minute long video shows the group of tribal people being stopped by the gatekeeper. A male voice is heard asking them why these people are not let in despite having tickets. But there is no response seen. We can also hear the voice asking, they have tickets and what do you want other than the tickets? You won't let them inside. The video brought sharp reactions from several social media users following which the theatre released a statement saying that the movie was adult certified film. The group were not allowed as they had children accompanying them. The statement said, since the audience gathered turned into a frenzy and took a different perspective of the situation without fully understanding it, in order to avert any law and order problem and to desensitize the matter, the same family was allowed entry to watch the movie on time. They also attached a video taken of the family watching the film inside the theatre. Let's move on to the next state, Andhra Pradesh. The Andhra Pradesh government on March 24th passed a unanimous resolution in the assembly seeking the status of scheduled caste to the converted Dalit Christians and thus extending the benefits of reservation to them. Opposing this, however, the state BJP leaders have met governor and appealed to halt the process. Passing this resolution in the Andhra Assembly, Chief Minister Jagan Mohan Reddy said, the economic and social status of the people does not change automatically just because they convert to another religion. The state BJP president, Somo Viraraju, and other leaders, however, have met Governor Abdul Nazir and presented their appeal. The government's decision to bring Dalit Christians into SC status is not acceptable. This should be immediately taken back. The decision affects the benefits that real Dalits are getting and Chief Minister Jagan should rethink about this. We demand to take back this resolution, Viraraju said. Opposing the YSRCP government's decision, BJP National Secretary Sunil Devdar said, according to the constitution, if there is a change in religion, then SCs would lose their identity as SC. We will fight for the rights of Dalits. According to the rules, as of now, the Dalits who are practicing Hindus, Sikhs and Buddhists only are considered in the scheduled caste category. The Dalits who are practicing other religions are either placed in backward class in Andhra Pradesh, Tamil Nadu and Kerala or in general category as is seen in remaining states. Let's move on to the next state, that is the state of Telangana. Telangana has been ranked number one in per capita income in 2022-23, said the State Minister for Industries, Commerce and IT, KT Ramarao. He tweeted that Telangana's per capita income has increased from 1.24 lakh rupees in 2014-15 to 3.17 lakh rupees in 2022-23. Minister KTR wrote that 155% growth in per capita income is the highest among all the states. MOSPI Minister of State Ravindrajit Singh had revealed in Lok Sabha the details of the per capita income of various states. According to him, Telangana's per capita income at current prices as of March 15th is 3,8732 rupees, whereas Karnataka at a second position with 3 lakh 1,673 rupees, while Haryana is at the third position. KTR stated that this performance of Telangana is despite an inimical union government. Let's move on to the next news. Let's end the video on a delicious note. Let me ask you a question. How many idlis can you have in a day? How many idlis can you have every day and how many in a year?
Now I am sure not as much as the person we are going to tell you about. An idli lover from Hyderabad spent a whopping 6 lakh rupees on this South Indian delicacy during the last year. This was revealed by food delivery platform Swiggy. The user ordered 8,428 plates of idlis, including orders placed for friends and family members while travelling across cities like Bengaluru and Chennai. On the occasion of World Idli Day that was celebrated on March 30th, Swiggy released its analysis covering the period from March 30th, 2022 to March 25, 2023. It provides interesting insights into the popularity of the South Indian dish. Swiggy has delivered 33 million plates of idlis in the last 12 months, indicating the immense popularity of this dish among customers. Bengaluru, Hyderabad and Chennai are the top three cities where idlis are ordered the most. Now, other cities that follow closely are Mumbai, Coimbatore, Pune, Vizag, Delhi and Kolkata and also Kochi. The analysis reveals that idlis are the second most ordered breakfast item on Swiggy after Masala Dosa. So what's your favorite South Indian breakfast menu? Tell us in the comment box below. That's all for this video. See you next week in South Connect. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please rate us with 5 stars right now. HW News Podcasts are available on Benchpods and all other audio platforms. Also, don't miss to check out South Connect from the House of HW News Podcasts. And we're sure you'll love it too.